Right. Would you like to count us down? In five, four, three, two. Let's go, Steven. <laughs> How do I go? <laughs> you just gotta start dancing. While I'm dancing. Nice. I'm gonna play it till one of us stops dancing. Why well, not? I wouldn't be me, Queen. <laughs> it's such a bop. <laughs> I can't even hear it. <laughs> there it is. I, I guess I'll stop there. <laughs> oh, did you stop dancing? No, I was I was still going. I just figured I would. Uh, oh, it didn't want the whole podcast to be us just dancing to the song. Can you believe that song is not on the soundtrack? <laughs> oh, I had to. Uh, I was like shazamming the song during the scene, and nothing was coming up, so I had to go to YouTube and look it up, and it's on there. And people in the comments are just furious that it's not on the, the soundtrack. So, and they never did release it, even after the backlash? No, I, I guess the the one I played is like an extended version. I don't know if they just like edited it from the movie, but you can hear like <laughs> the characters like talking and whatnot. So I think that's what it is. But anyway. Welcome to episode 123 of Santa Mira After Dark. I'm Jeremy. I'm Steven. And this week, we are peeing on the graves of our dead ancestors. Because what are, was it graves or was it just a tree? I think it was just a tree. Probably wasn't. It was probably like a memorial situation. Yeah, you're right. I think it was like a sacred tree. But anyway. So, because what are we talking about this week? <laughs> We're talking about Midsummer. Yes, Midsummer, directed by the great Ari Aster, uh, starring the great Florence Pugh. Uh, also, uh, Jack Rayner is in this movie, who you may know from Transformers Age of Extinction, where <laughs> he plays the character who is like in his 20s. And it's a very big subplot of the movie. He's in his 20s. He's trying to date Mark Wahlberg's daughter, who is 17. But Texas has this law, apparently, called the Romeo and Juliet law, where you're able to date an underage person if they're consenting. Very... Was that an actual Yeah, Yeah, it's a very plot. big subplot in the movie. <laughs> and then, like, the whole thing is, like, whole movie he's trying to convince Mark Wahlberg that he could date his daughter and like one of those things where it's like in the movie it's like you know what you're alright kid <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's I don't uh, even remember that 
I think that might be the one I've seen too. It's the one with the dinosaurs. Oh, I didn't see that one then. Yeah, the it's it's a it's a pretty good movie, very underrated. But um, yeah, the the movie it's it, it's like a, a screeching thud whenever uh, they mention the Romeo and Juliet law. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, William Jackson Harper is in this movie. Will Poulter, uh, Willem Blomgren, I think is how you say his name, and Isabel. I like Will Poulter. And me too. Uh, he has a history of playing um, uh, weird characters, and once again, he's a. Mm-hmm. It's funny because he's not particularly weird. He's just like weird for the situation. Yeah, but I, I think everybody in this movie is quite weird to an extent. But we'll we'll get into it. So, uh, before we get into it, I have an idea that I thought of that I would kind of like to to get out into the public. And you could tell me if it's in bad taste. And, um, yeah, we'll see. So, the the news that's been sweeping the nation over the past week is the, uh, the submarine that went missing that went to see the Titanic. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, my idea was, how fun would this be if there was an escape room based off of this situation? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I didn't know if it was in bad taste. It's not like you have to, you know, ace it off. Well, it doesn't... Go go ahead. It doesn't have to be like that exactly. It could be like a stuck on a submarine. Yeah, just something like that. Like, I think that'd be be a fun idea. I don't know how you would do it or anything. Like, I don't know the, the ins and outs of the story or, like, how you would have to, you know, escape. But it'd be uh, it'd be interesting. Like I guess the whole thing could be like having to fix the submarine to get it to come back to the surface, something like that. Yeah. And then it's like oh, plot twist at the end. You get to the surface, but it only opens from the outside, like this, like this submarine did. Oh, escape room part yeah. two. It's like a an extra ten minutes or so. You have to summon people to get you out. Okay. I don't know, just an interesting thing I thought of. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it was in bad taste, but just uh, just something I thought of. But we'll get uh quickly transition into the discussion at hand, I guess. <laughs> All right, so Midsummer. Uh, would you like to give a brief plot description of Midsummer? It's hard to it's hard to say. No. <laughs> Well, there's a um, <clears throat> a woman who is dealing with a tragedy, and she gets invited to this midsummer festival in Sweden with her boyfriend and his friends. It gets complicated. Very, very <laughs> cult-like atmosphere. So my que- my question yeah. was, did you um, like do do you know like anything about the midsummer festival? No. I looked it up yesterday. Because I was curious as to like what exactly it is, and it actually looks like a fun time, and it's. I guess the idea for for the movie was that it was pretty much just um, thought, like th- they got the premise from this whole, um, festival thing, and you know obviously they they took from it, and kind of made it like cult like. So, it, it's obviously yeah. nothing like, the movie, 
to my knowledge and apparently it's a pretty fun time and they just kind of uh celebrate summer which is kind of what uh what we're doing by kicking off uh first episode of the summer by uh, talking about midsummer so yeah it, it's it's obviously it's obviously not summer. like you know cult like or anything it's just um they do have like the flowers and the may queen and things like that but obviously Ariel. it's not no sacrifices or bears yeah and i guess like the people of sweden who i guess they originally it was thought that the um the people of sweden would not like this movie and they but i guess mm -hmm. it was very well received over there and they kind of treated it as a comedy kind of kind of like a way of like laughing at yourself because i guess like to the outside it might be like a, a thing where they're kind of depicted as a cult and i think yeah. they're kind of just in on the joke like people think it's a cult but it's not so they just thought it was funny or maybe it is a cult and <laughs> and they were just laughing and yeah, that's they're, why they're cool. laughing because they're because Ari Aster was on to them. <laughs> so <laughs> my um I don't know, it, it it it's kind of like a, a weird movie to talk about because like my my main complaint about this movie, and probably my only complaint, because I, I really, really, really lo love this movie. Um my only complaint, and I'm I'm gonna immediately retract this complaint is that it's two and a half hours and I just want to point out that neither of us have seen the director's cut. I saw like one scene from it, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure like, um, yeah. and the, the, the scene I saw, which we'll get to like, I'm, I totally see why they kept it out. Um, it's two and a half hours and it seems like it, it could be a little tighter. Like you could probably cut like, half hour out of this movie and it would be fine but I'm going to immediately retract that statement because I feel like kind of like the meandering around and kind of just sitting with the group and sitting in this setting I think is important to the story because it just makes you mm -hmm. more like immersed and like the world feel, feels more lived in and you get more like connection with like what's going on. So I totally understand like why these scenes are in here of like just kind of sitting in silence and letting things happen. Like there's there's that uh, there's there's that scene where people uh, are just eating dinner, and it it seems to go on yeah. for so long like nothing happens. <laughs> But I feel like it's important because, like I said, it, I feel like you need to feel this connection with this world because this movie does a great job of making you feel um, uncomfortable. And it's almost like if you were in that situation, like people are eating, you don't know what's going on. Like, that's how it would feel. Like, people wouldn't be talking. It would just be very uncomfortable and very... Um, mm -hmm you know, weird. So like I said, it, it, I, I could see people getting bored by this movie because there are so many scenes like that of people just like wandering around, laying around and like eating dinner. But like, 
in the in the grand scheme of things, I think those scenes are important and need to be in here. So, uh, what do you think about this movie? I thought it was paced very well. I was surprised because I only saw it the one time in theaters. Okay. And I didn't remember it being paced as well as it was. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it does seem to move along pretty quickly. And I've seen this movie like three times maybe. And I like didn't realize. Once so you're a regular at the Midsummer Festival. Yeah, I go there very often. Once a year I try to make it. But uh oh yeah, it it's it it's paced very well. Like it I, I, I totally forgot how long it uh seems to linger on the like the opening of the movie with because like the whole trailer in this movie showed that it, it was um right outside, like the whole movie takes place during the daytime. Uh-huh. And I guess they even wanted to put like white letterboxed on the on the movie, but I guess they thought that it was too much. But um, yeah, the opening of this movie uh, doesn't take place during the daytime. It doesn't take place during the summer, so it like totally. Yeah, I like I like the contrast. Yeah, it's and and I I forgot like how long we actually sit in. You know, like the uh, I guess American weather. I guess is where it's at. Well, like once you get to the like the Midsummer Festival and all that stuff, like the movie I think is paced uh, perfectly and just makes you feel that uncomfortableness of the situation. Um, a lot of scenes in here, especially one like very early on where it's almost like that Tony Collette scene in uh, Hereditary. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Where we're just like lingering on somebody being like emotionally distraught, and it's like such a such an uncomfortable scene. Um, also, it, it it's not an A twenty four film, but the lodge. Remember the like that one scene in that movie where there's mm-hmm. a little girl that's crying. It's like that too. Yeah, and it's just hard to watch. I guess that's. Ari Aster's way of showing like trauma that the characters are going through so I think that's the idea but yeah it's he always does that that in his movies seems like yeah I'm I'm very curious of the upbringing of Ari Aster (laughs) because a a lot of his movies a lot of his movies seem to uh, take place in like a very bad like family or relationship situation like hereditary has that whole well i guess this is based off of a relationship he had okay okay i didn't or he was inspired by a relationship he had or something okay that's a that's a very prominent thing in this movie that's also in that deleted scene that i was talking about that's in the director's cut um it, Mm. it shows like the the terrible relationship that the two main characters uh Danny and uh Christian have and uh yeah i it it it, it seems like a lot of Ari Aster's work at least in his last three films uh seem to be inspired by family trauma and i guess Bo is afraid was god i don't 
I obviously don't know his relationship with his mother and it's like, you know, not the public's business or anything, but it seems like that one especially was a very personal movie to him. So I'm, t I'm just, I'm just curious of like the pain and trauma of Ari Aster. Like I feel bad for him if like this, like his work is inspired by like terrible upbringings or whatever happened. Um, I didn't do any research on like his upbringing or anything, but it just seems like some some dark times. See, <laughs> yeah. Have you seen his uh, short film, uh, "The Strange Thing About the Johnsons"? I think that's what it's called. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna look look up to get the title. Yeah, "The Strange <clears> Thing <throat> About the Johnsons." It's like a half hour long, from 2011. It's it's like a, I, I don't want to spoil it in case you want to watch it, but the premise of the movie is about uh, a trigger warning. It's about sexual abuse. Uh, the roles are reversed where the son is molesting the father. Oh. And it's such a, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like a, a lot of people know about it in like, meme culture like it became one of those things where oh this movie's so disturbing you guys gotta check it out and it's like one of those things uh, and yeah it's uh, yeah I might have to check it out yeah it's a it's a weird one um, I don't necessarily like it I think it's one of those movies that like is just too uncomfortable to enjoy <laughs> but uh -huh. but um, yeah it, it, it just shows that this stuff has been in his uh, mind and his filmography for you know going on a dozen years now because that was 2011 so he also has a movie called Munchausen which Munchausen syndrome is a, a thing where like I guess a, a I don't know the, the proper definition but it's like when a parent keeps convincing their kid that they're sick oh okay so like this is very prominent thing in his films. It's, it's very interesting. But um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll jump into the spoiler section. This is like a weird movie to kind of tiptoe around and avoid spoilers. So we could kind of just jump into there if you want to do that. Mm -hmm. Open up the safe, bitches. Got a lot to say. All right. So what would you like to talk about spoiler wise for Midsummer? First of all, I think this movie ended up being one of the most disturbing movies I've seen because I like vividly remembered everything from only one viewing years ago. That's how I was too. And I think it's like the uncomfortableness of it that kind of keeps it in your head. I'm pretty sure this movie solidified me not taking drinks from people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the drinks in this movie, which are... Um, you know, filled with uh, menstrual blood and body hair. <laughs> it's and drugs. Yeah, and, and drugs arguably the worst or hallucinogens. Arguably the the least disgusting thing added to the drink. But yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with you. That's uh, yeah, because it's like the the cult just keeps like handing uh 
especially Danny, they keep just keep handing them drinks and they just keep taking them. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know why they're even asking what it is, but they still drink it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to talk about is it's like uh, pa- panic disorder is like a big thing in this movie. Where um, Annie, whose uh, whole family is uh, killed in a murder suicide by her sister, she like very clearly has like these uh, triggers. Like there's that one scene. Okay. I forget who says it. It might be Mark or is is it Pele? Is that how you say his name? I think so. I think they say it both ways, but I didn't know if Pell was like a nickname they had for him. Pele. It's like the the whole group is on shrooms, and one of them says like, you know, you guys are like my whole family, and just the word family like triggers Danny into this like panic attack. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was such a they they do it a few times actually such a prominent and like great way of showing this and like a realistic way too because she does seemingly have to go off on it to have these panic attacks by herself yeah and there's that one part where she's kind of just walking and a group of people in the cult like turn to her and start laughing at her they well uh pele plays it off as they were already laughing so they're not laughing at you but like you literally see the cult turn around and start laughing at her. But it's like one of those things where like when you're in that mindset, you can't really tell what's real and what's not. Yeah. So it's like, I don't think they were intentionally laughing at her. Yeah. Like it, it, it's never confirmed one way or another, but just when you're in that mindset, it's like you feel like all eyes are on you and like everybody that is laughing is noticing you and they're laughing at you for, you know, having this episode. Um, that was such a, a great and realistic way of uh, por- portraying that, and I, I really in- not enjoyed that, but I thought it was um a great part in the movie. Nice, not nice, but <laughs> you tried to correct what I was saying and did the same exact thing I did. <laughs> <laughs> Made it worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing in that this movie does, and it, it is more so on the funny side, is. There's like a lot of like just normal ongoings in this cult. It kind of just happen, but like to the outsiders, it's like a a big thing. Specifically, like you texted me last time when you were watching this, where there's that scene where the elders who turn seventy two have to jump off of a cliff and kill themselves. Yeah. And obviously, to the outsiders, this is a um, crazy thing. Like, yeah, like a crazy, traumatizing thing. So they're like screaming and whatnot. And the cult kind of just turns around and looks at them, like, like, um, what are you doing? <laughs> what, what, what the heck? Are, what the heck is their problem? <laughs> Never seen someone jump off of a cliff before. <laughs> yeah, and they actually do a very good job of normalizing that in the movie with the way they describe it. Because they don't yeah. believe in like rotting away and getting so old, like you have to be taken care of, and you can't, um, like you can't help yourself. They don't yeah. believe in that, so they just jump jump off a cliff and transcend into the next life. And I was like, oh, that's a very good way of 
making that seem normal. Of like justifying it, yeah. Yeah. And th- there are people in the world that actually agree with that sentiment. Like mm-hmm. Michael Jackson was one of those people that said he never wanted to grow old because he didn't want to like see his face get wrinkly and yeah, all this and that. So, I mean, that's just one example. There's a ton of people that only want to live to be like 72, for example, because, you know, around that time is when you know, things start going downhill and you would need to be taken care of. And I know there's like very, yeah. he- very healthy people that are beyond that age, but yeah. It, I know one of the characters in the movie even said, well, they probably think that putting their elders in a nursing home is disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. They do a great job of justifying that. They, they describe the ages by like the, uh, the seasons. So oh, like, well. I think it's like, like birth to 18 is, um, spring and then like 18 to 36 is summer um 36 to 54 would be fall and then um winter would be uh 54 to 72 whatever it may be yeah but it seems to go by uh i think 18 years or so i think is the the changing of the seasons but yeah that's um yeah that like you said, they do a great job of kind of justifying that. Um, another thing I like is the introduction of Connie and Simon is like such a great contrast to the relationship between uh, Christian and Danny. Uh-huh. Because, so so first off, I want to ask you, what are Connie and Simon even doing here? <laughs> like, they're not part of the group. Are they just here on their own trip? They were invited by somebody else that is in the cult. I can't remember his name. Okay. I think it ended up being one of the guys that decided to stay in the tent at the end. Okay. So, yeah, Connie and Simon are here, and, like, they're obviously acting like a normal couple does. Like, yeah, they're, like, arms around each other. They're, you know, nice to each other. And it's such, like, a great contrast between... Danny and Christian because their relationship is very much filled with I I I I hate the term but it's filled with gaslighting and it is that that is actually very that's like the perfect way to describe it yeah like it it, it it's become like a kind of an overused and generic term but that's literally what it is in this movie where Christian is pretty much making Danny feel like she's insane for having these thoughts and feelings that she has like at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny, Danny's sister sends like a very threatening email. Like her sister is bipolar, and she says that like I can't take this anymore. I'm going to go, and I'm taking my parents. W- or I'm taking p- the parents with me. Uh, pretty much, you know, threatening what she does. Yeah. And Christian is like, oh, you're just, or she's just doing this because you let her do it. And it's like. No, um, <laughs> like obviously we don't know what happens prior to, you know, the situation, situation, yeah. but like he almost like is the blame for this happening because they, they show Annie's parents like in bed breathing prior to this phone call uh-huh. and, and then she's like, 
trying to talk to him about it. And he's like, don't worry about it. She's just doing this because you let her. So she kind of backs off, doesn't do anything about it. And then obviously it's revealed that she um, gassed herself and gassed the home to to kill all three of them. Yeah. So, you know, it, it almost seems like there's, for, for the remainder of the movie, it seems like in the back of Danny's head, because it's in the back of the audience's head too, that, you know, you could almost blame Christian for this, even though obviously he didn't do it or anything, but it's like a small factor in like, if he wasn't so like nonchalant with her feelings, then the parents probably could have been saved. Uh Yeah. I just don't like him at all. Yeah. That's he's awful. Yeah. He's a terrible person all around and to his friends and his girlfriend. Because even even later, he I forgot about the whole subplot with the, the term paper or whatever they're doing. Oh yeah, um, he decides he's going to steal his friend's idea. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm like, what? When like, you knew he was doing that type of paper, and you're going to copy his work? Well, he's just. Yeah, like he's just kind of a bad person all around. Like he's a bad boyfriend, yeah. a bad friend. And like he forgot her birthday and she has to justify Oh, it's my fault because I didn't remind him. Yeah. Yeah, that's like that that's like a perfect um way of describing that because that's that's what it is. Like you know, it it's it's like 4 years into the relationship, it's not necessarily her uh job to to remind him of, of her birthday yeah and i i guess that's the 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 perfect segue to this uh scene in the director's cut that i was going to tell you about it takes place during the night and out of out of context of the movie i'm not exactly sure what was going on but it seems like the cult was going to sacrifice somebody to the, the lake he like they were asking for a volunteer this little girl comes up they like cover her in rocks and they go to toss her in the lake to like let her sink to the bottom. Uh-huh. And I think Danny says that this is weird and they shouldn't do it. And then the cult stops and they don't do it, which I, I, I'm not sure if I like that part because it shows that the cult is like obviously in favor of Danny. So that would lead to her being the May Queen. I, I like her. I like the reveal of. I wonder if it was was it after she was May Queen? No, this was um, no, because uh, Christian is still alive, which I'll I'll get to in a second. Um. So, yeah, it 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 almost reveals that way too early that the cult is in favor of her and likes her and will listen to her. So I don't really like that. They also kind of justify them not doing it by saying that it was a test of fear. So, like, uh-huh. the, the little girl or whatever, like, was willing to do it, and that was the test. So, um, I don't know. I don't mm. know. It, that part didn't make sense out of the context of the movie, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. They They say that, like, somebody is in the lake. So I wasn't sure if they were, like, feeding a higher power. I'm not Maybe. entirely sure. Maybe that's why they cut it. 
yeah, I, I wasn't entirely sure. Um, curious to check out the director's cut to see where that scene would go. Maybe it'd make more sense. But yeah. the more important thing about that is that uh, Christian shows up and he's pretty much telling Danny that like, you know, I, we, we don't know this culture, so we got to keep an open mind and all this and that. And they get in a fight and Christian, well, if you, if you remember the scene from earlier, Danny picks Christian flowers, just, just a nice uh -huh. gesture that she does. And he like snaps on her and is like, you only pick those flowers to make me feel bad for forgetting your birthday. She's like, no, I just picked those flowers for like as a nice gesture. And he's going on making this big deal about how she only picked the flowers to get him a gift because she, because he didn't get her anything. So I, I think that part of the scene is great because it shows like, like it even confused me with the way they were acting. I was like, wait, did, did she do that to make him feel bad? <laughs> like Christian, Christian was gaslighting me. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, wait, Danny, you're a jerk for making him feel that way. But yeah, like that part I would have liked to see in the movie. But again, it takes place during the nighttime. So I could see why they cut it there. Um, other than that, I think there's only a couple other night scenes. Like once they get to the, get to Sweden, like it's only nighttime when, uh, Josh tries to steal the book, I think. Yeah. I think they said it's only nighttime for a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was, uh, I could see why they cut it. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe that scene would have taken place toward the end of the movie, like in that area. Mm -hmm. Could also explain why none of the cult was in the area when Josh tried to steal the the, the sacred writings that <laughs> make no sense. <laughs> the idea, I guess, behind the sacred writings, isn't it like the the person who's like deformed? Didn't they write them? Is that the idea? Yeah. Okay. But they never really say why or like what. No, they're not really go too far in, into they that. don't say what they mean. They don't say why they're so sacred. And like most of the book is blank because they're like, <laughs> the rest of it's not written yet. And it's like, what oh. is this founded on if... And he made it seem like all of the books were like that though. Like unfinished? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure of the symbolism beyond of the... Uh, unfinished books mean but yeah I don't know um yes I remember he wanted to take a picture that was and that's when he that's when he took a step too far yeah that was a big no-no um I also like um uh Pele's whole like subplot of him trying to convince Danny which that's like the only proof that I really needed that Danny was already the chosen one before any of this happened. Well, it seemed like it seemed like she won Make We on accident. Yeah, I'm. I wasn't sure how to how to read that. I was always. It seemed like a, it seemed like a stiff competition between the the girl that ended up being like her friend or whatever. Maybe it and her and someone else. Maybe it's like. As you said, Connie and Simon were recruited to 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 come here. 
So maybe it's like they just kind of invite strangers from, you know, who knows where to come here. And that's how they kind uh -huh. of recruit people. And it's like, well, everybody. Well, they also needed sacrifices from the outside, too. So I guess everybody who didn't win. Yeah, maybe it's like. Like Connie would have won, then maybe Danny would have been sacrificed. Yeah. Yeah, because the sacrifices from the outside, uh, that actually sets up the next part I was going to mention about Pele, uh, or Pele. Pele is a soccer player. Pele, um, yeah. he 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 says that his parents were uh, killed in a house fire, or no, he just says mm -hmm. he just says a fire. So I think, like, I took that as yeah. it's implied that his parents were killed in like the the big sacrifice at the end of the movie. Yeah, I think it pretty much confirms it. And he says that he was never alone because he always had, uh, you know family and whatnot so like his parents were killed and they must have been the volunteers yeah so Ugh, does that's so uncomfortable at the end do, does Pele live in America with the rest of the group it seemed like he was in college with them okay because I I don't understand like how he I don't know maybe it's just like a backstory that doesn't even matter Maybe the cult goes beyond this and they live amongst society. Maybe. And yeah, I think he was in college with and them. Pele had family back in wherever the, where this is in America. And that, that's where mm -hmm. he was living or something like that. I'm, I'm totally unsure of like that whole concept. Um, I guess it's just an off screen thing that doesn't matter, but. That'd be an interesting thing if, like, the cult kind of takes place in, like, they have people out in society and just okay. trying to recruit people because that would be, you know, what Pele did. Because I don't know how he would get into college if he was raised in the cult because I'm not sure how their education system works. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you went to, uh, I don't seem to have any, um, like modern technology no or like any schooling it's like anything like that it doesn't seem like yeah. they have it so i'm i'm not sure as we see we see kids a little bit in the group yeah there's there's definitely they're just kind of, they're just kind of there doing cult stuff yeah it's like the children are raised just to be here like they might not know anything else after that. Um, yeah. I just want to talk about how uncomfortable that dinner scene was. Because <laughs> uh -huh. that's the scene that stuck with me. Because I just remember the theater being dead silent. It was almost... like it, it, was, it was pretty packed. I don't know how packed it was, but there was a lot of people there. Yeah, there was a good amount of people there. I was surprised because I thought we were going to be there by ourselves. But it was like opening night, I think it was. And I just remember, like, that dinner scene, just, like, three minutes of just dead silence. And for some reason, our our, our theater group, our group that we go to the movies with, seems to not be able to handle when the movie gets, gets silent. <laughs> so I just remember <laughs> hearing, like, very muffled laughter in the theater. 
<laughs> and then uh, one of your friends, uh, which one was it? Brittany. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Brittany if you're listening. Uh, she she <laughs> made like a loud laughing noise. And I just remember like <laughs> the, the whole group just lost it. And it, it was to the point where like I thought I was going to have to step out of the theater. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure the people in front of us turned around for a second too. I'm like, can somebody please just... <laughs> Talk. Somebody please just talk. Can we have some music playing in the movie or something? Yeah. Um, I actually that's why I was so worried about going to see Skin and Marine because I thought it was going to be just silent. Well, that movie did a good job of keeping um, a like the static sound going, and, yeah. and B it was like uncomfortable enough to like I couldn't laugh. Yeah, like it, like it, it wasn't. Funny. I don't. I don't know what was so funny about them eating. I think it's just like one of those things where, like, the opposite of fear is laughter. I think it's that, and it's yeah. like, well, not not the opposite, I guess, but like they're they're very close on the spectrum where, like, when things are uncomfortable or scary, people tend to laugh. I think it was one of those things. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was a rough one. Another rough one. <laughs> Would you like to tell this story? Uh, the one about the the big sex scene. Oh, the moaning. Yeah, the the moaning, the singing. <laughs> well, the sex scene was uncomfortable enough because he was drugged and forced to do it. Yeah, like it, it's literally sexual assault. But the there was people that, like this couple, and once they all started moaning in unison, <laughs> they literally just got up and left. And never came back. <laughs> it's 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 not it's it's not <laughs> only the moaning in unison. It's like the singing. <laughs> like yeah. they get up into Christian's ear and just start singing. And yeah, it's and they're like all like groping themselves, and like they they grab Christian and like push him into this girl, <laughs> and then a group of them make Danny. Like, kind of, like, lead her to it. Yeah. So she could see. And then when she's crying, there's a group of them that are, like, sharing her pain. Yeah. That's actually a, a, a good segue into this other topic I wanted to discuss about this movie. So, well, I, I guess it, it, it starts at um, the end of the movie. So, do you think this is a happy ending? I know people debate that. I I would say no. Okay. Yeah, because I, I had this thought when I was watching it uh, the other day. It's funny because I always just went with it because I only saw it the one time. I remember her smiling at the end. I was like, oh, okay. It's like a happy ending compared to its surrounding movies, you know, like The Witch, The Lighthouse, Hereditary Lamb. Yeah. Yeah, like it's... It, I guess it's happy in like comparing it to those ones. Like the ending of Hereditary is is yeah. is very dark, but yeah, when I was when oh well, the witch. If you think about it, the witch, actually has the happiest ending. If you were, it's funny because it's not that it it, it it's not <laughs> well. First off, it's not that happy, and two, like it's not that far removed from this ending. Like they're they're very yeah. similar. Yeah, my um, I guess 
when I was watching it the other day, I was like, I got like a totally different tone from this ending. Like I remember seeing it in theaters and like you said, it did seem like a happy ending. And yeah. I think, I think the, the movie almost like tricks you in the way that Danny is being tricked. And that's just such like a, like you just have to give like props to like the writing and you know, the direction of this movie. Cause like not only is like the main character tricked, but like you have like fan bases of of Danny now and being like, oh, good for her, she found her people. But like in the context of the story, uh-huh. it's like she was pretty much uh, brainwashed and gaslit by the cult, which isn't that uh-huh. far different than the relationship that she was in, and and she's constantly being drugged by them. Yeah. So she viewed things from their perspective. Yeah, and like obviously, these people aren't like crazy for thinking that she's she had her happy ending because like she does smile at the end of everything. And you know, like even slasher villains, like they have their fan bases and everything. So it's and she's finally free from Christian. Well, I think that's the idea is that she's free from Christian, but like she's possibly in something much worse. Worse. Yeah. Or just as bad. Yeah, because, like, the like the dancing thing, like, with when they're crowning the May Queen, like, they're dancing in a circle, and I've heard people compare that to uh, Danny and Christian's relationship. Like, they're just going in circles. They're, like, not making any progress. They both are unhappy. They both mm-hmm. want out. But, you know, they're... Yeah, he was actually planning on breaking up with her. Prior to the the tragedy, yeah. And he was still, he was being pushed by, what Poulter, that was Mark, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's like pushing him to like break up with her because he's, she's like, oh no, she's like an inconvenience and she holds him back. Even like the trip to Sweden, like it's kind of like, uh, like an inconvenience, like you said, like she's, she pretty much like unintentionally volunteers to go to Sweden with them. But it's also like Christian is like, obviously, like if, if you have, a, if you have a significant other, you shouldn't be like, Hey, I'm, by the way, I'm going, I'm going out of the country in a few weeks for the summer. So yeah, like that's a inconsiderate thing to do so Danny's obviously upset and then it's like oh well you can come with us like you know obviously he didn't want her to come like he wanted them to break up the whole group doesn't want her to come except for Pele and we know why because either she's going to be queen or sacrificed Uh, they also do a great job with and that makes me wonder if she was sacrificed would he have volunteered to go in the tent or the yellow room because the um the guy who brought the other two ended up being one of the volunteers oh okay i didn't even think maybe they just whoever whoever's not the queen they have to get sacrificed with the group that they brought or maybe it was just coincidence yeah that, that might it might be what what it is but i don't know if he qualified no 
it's the people who invited uh, Connie and Simon weren't outsiders either. So yeah, I don't know how that works, to be honest. That's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I have a feeling since he, like his parents, you know, it's hinted that they did the same thing. I, I feel like he wouldn't have a problem doing it. Um, I think, yeah. I think this cult is like so capable of brainwashing people that they just kind of go along with whatever it is, obviously. Yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't, I, that's, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but, um, Oh, the, 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 the thing with Danny. So she, um, obviously like, uh, going back to like, if, if, is this a happy ending or not? Like they obviously take advantage of her because I, I, I saw this thing online where it's like cults tend to like try to recruit people at like airports and like train stations, bus stops, things like that, right. because it's people that are like traveling that don't really have the connection to where they're at. So it's like, yeah, like Pele, for example, he knows that Danny lost her entire family. So obviously she doesn't have like those roots anymore. So I feel like she's a perfect target for this cult to kind of come after and, and, and recruit. So I think Enjoy. that's the, um, like the hidden intention of him and the way he even like talks to her like Christian who is very um like passive with her feelings and just doesn't care he's very accepting and trying to like uh like sympathize with her yeah. and everything so almost like that should be his or her boyfriend and I know they even they even kiss after She's yeah. crowned queen. Yeah. Well, that's how he's acting. Like he's acting like he's the he's her boyfriend. And yeah, we're all concerned with her staying there, enjoying them. They said something about they need outsiders to like keep their chain going, so they don't have to inbreed, even though they do. And we see like that deformed boy was a result yeah, of the inbreeding. Uh, well, they're just keeping her there too. Pro probably. Um, yeah, because they say that, that like inbreeding is taboo there and they don't like to do it, but they have to sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's probably... Like, if there were a sequel, Danny and Pele would probably have a child at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's even like some uh, like major symbolism in here where it's like earlier on in the movie, Danny is, she has these panic attacks. She has to go off and cry by herself. Uh, she has a panic attack at one point and Christian is like, all right, well, just go over there and we'll catch up with you later. And then at the end of the movie, when she sees that Christian is uh, banging uh, that woman, Maja is her name on IMDb. Um, she's like crying, but she's also being embraced by the other women while she's crying. So it's like, it's, it's like they know that she doesn't have these attachments to like an outside life. 
and like Christian was probably yeah. her last attachment that she had and like she's seeing him uh, cheating on her whether it be his fault or not that like that's what she's seeing like she doesn't yeah I don't think she knows that like he's drugged and all that stuff so no no she doesn't that's the only time you will ever see me defend him that's <laughs> because that really yeah. wasn't his fault but then at the same time I'm pretty sure he was eyeing her when when Pele was like, all oh, my sister's taking her liking to well, you. Even like earlier on in the movie, friends are even talking yeah. about you could be impregnating a waitress here at the diner. And then it's like later on in the movie, like yeah. he's impregnating a random girl. So that's literally like foreshadowing <laughs> what was going on. So yeah, I I, I just think like in a much less winded way than what I'm saying is like they obviously uh, saw Danny as like quote unquote weak and like an easy target to recruit and that's what they did and um, even and that happens and that pretty much happens to all in all three movies that I've seen with Ari Aster because like in Hereditary her daughter's murdered well, she could she dies, and then the cult that late cult ladies like wouldn't stop bothering her. Like, oh, you can contact her. Oh, yeah, you're right. About this stuff, so she's vulnerable, and then Bo's uh, afraid. He's just vulnerable the whole movie. Spoiler alert for Bo's afraid. <laughs> well, he's vulnerable the whole movie, and taken advantage of by random yeah. people the whole time. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, okay. without getting into spoilers. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very curious of the upbringing of Ari Aster because, like, these themes seem to be very prominent in his work. So, and uh, so one of like the the major hints that I picked up on this time around that this wasn't a happy ending was the scene where. Like the 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 yellow house is burning and she's like everybody starts starts screaming and then Danny starts like walking around and she's covered in flowers and she almost looks like Krampus like I don't think Krampus is the actual <laughs> the actual implication of what's going on but I think it's supposed to be that like she's supposed to look like a monster I don't think yeah like obviously it, obviously it's not Krampus but like I think. It, was almost like she was about to try to run away, but like she's held back or held down or something. That's that's a, yeah. a possible way of seeing it too. But yeah, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to um, get into like that debate whether it was a happy ending or not. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I I don't think I think so. it's like a. I could I could see why people think it's a happy ending. She does smile at the end of the movie. But in like the grand scheme of things, like she's brainwashed into joining this cult and obviously she's not well in the head and Yeah, and the only reason she's there is because she doesn't have anywhere else to go and doesn't know anybody else. Yeah. And maybe even like as far back as Pele and beyond, like Pele could have been well, yeah, she knows him, but... Well, no, I was going to say Pele could be brainwashed into 
being here too. Like if his if he was a kid, his parents were killed here. Yeah. It's like, oh well this this is what I got. That's probably what it is. Yeah. So maybe Danny will go back to America and recruit others to to join the cult. But I'm supposed to be. I'm curious as to like what would happen if she returned home? Because it, it it would look very suspicious if she returned back to America with like no one else. <laughs> well, they'd probably just um probably just say they stayed there, like they decided to move to Sweden. Okay, yeah, that could be something too. Yeah, I, that that that's possible. It's actually it's like it's almost scary how easy it is to cover it up for them well they they are off the grid and yeah i'm not sure if like they they fall under any jurisdiction to where what they're doing is illegal i'm i'm sure because like there are cults that do very illegal things that ultimately have to you know go to prison for their crimes and whatnot but (laughs) yeah yeah i'm 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 not i'm not i'm I have no idea whether this is, uh, you know, whether they would be arrested for their crimes or <laughs> what. Even like from the airport, it's a four-hour drive. So like they fly to Sweden and it's like they got a four-hour drive. And I think that was intentional to kind of show just how far off the grid this place was. Okay. And then even when they get there, they like do the shrooms and everything. And then sh- they like they go off farther. So it's like... Where exactly is this place? Yeah. It's weird because in their minds, they wouldn't be killing anybody. Because they even say that these people, like, volunteered. And then, like, the elders that jump off the cliff, they weren't pushed. I, I, I could see that to an extent, but... But then when you get the travelers, yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're killing these Yeah, people. I was going to say, like, Merc obviously didn't want to die. All he did was just accidentally pee on a sacred tree and was killed. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's also such a, like, a great reveal. Like, he's kind of just taken away. <laughs> and never to be seen. <laughs> and then it's like, it's revealed that someone's wearing his skin. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny when the guy, you see him like bawling in the background and crying because he peed on the tree. (laughs) Yeah. Genius. I'm sure it'll wash away. (laughs) Like you defaced our sacred tree. And he's just like crying. Yeah. That's, I, I love like the, the random, uh, just ongoings of this cult like they'll they'll just be like a normal scene going on and you'll just see like kids walking like a goat and a cow and and it's and like he's like it's like what's going glaring, on back there? yeah you see stuff in the background and then he's like glaring at him when they're having dinner yeah the guy that was crying yeah like you really hurt him this one guy just took it so personal <laughs> <laughs> seems like yeah I, I I love like the random ongoings in the background um, also like the random conversations they have like the, the one guy's afraid of getting ticks from walking in the field 
Oh yeah. And someone just goes, I know two people that, that, uh, got ticks before and they had to have a, a closed casket funeral. <laughs> just like, yeah. just like stupid things like that, that kind of just make the characters more relatable or it's like that, that would be just a stupid conversation that people would have. Uh -huh. But uh, now, I thought it was interesting too, how the movie like the original idea of the movie was to be like almost like a slasher movie that takes place in the seven. Okay. I didn't know that. And then it evolved into everything being like off screen kills. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that that was a thing. So like, it's like the very early premise of the movie was that it was going to be a slasher movie that takes place during the Midsummer Festival, but they changed it. Okay. Yeah, I think the off-screen kills work better because, like, the reveals that they have are so, like, bizarre. Like, Josh, like, his legs just sticking up from the ground. Yeah. And the the one... The, I forget who it is. I think it's a, I think it's either Connie or Simon. They're just, like, strung up in, like, a chicken coop. Uh-huh. And it's like, just like what your mind could think of, like how these things happen is probably a lot scarier than like if you were to actually see it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Cause wasn't, um, I don't think he was actually breathing. That's what I was wondering too. But, but like the lungs were moving, but he, Christian was also drugged. Oh, okay. So we were seeing it from like his drugged point of view. Because they do that several times in the movie. Like when she gets her May Queen crown and she's drugged, you see like the flowers distorting and it almost looks like they're breathing. Yeah. And her parents walk by too. That's another yeah. scene. Um, did you notice, speaking of that part, like in the background, you you could see in the trees, it's like a, it's very vague but you could see her sister with like the breathing tube in if she uh, killed herself. You could see that in which part it's when she's crowned May queen and they're like walking her through the field or whatever. Mm. It's like the trees in the background make up that picture. It's like, no, I, didn't even notice that. I, I saw it online. I guess if you weren't looking for it, you probably wouldn't see it. Yeah. It was probably, like very few people actually saw it and then it just became a thing. But yeah, that's kind of like that this thing is always hovering over her is kind of I guess the symbol of it. Especially because it's like right uh -huh. after she she just saw her parents walk past. Yeah, it's cool how they play with that shot through throughout the movie. Yeah. Also, did you notice that the opening painting of the movie like picks the entire story? I heard of that, but I didn't notice it. Okay, yeah. Um, if you look it up, I'm going to pull it up right now. It starts off in, like, the beginning of the painting is, like, dark and in the snow and nighttime. And then it um, goes on into, like... Okay, so it's a... Second part is... Oops. 
the second part is a girl crying. Uh, somebody's trying to console her, and then it looks like somebody is like floating above them. So I'm assuming that's Pele or Pele. Uh, but the opening part is it's like dark and snowing. There's a family connected by like a tube, and they're. It's obviously implied that that's the suicide, the murder suicide. The second part is a woman crying with a guy comforting her, and Pele's floating above them. Uh, the third part is uh, five people walking through the woods, and then it uh, it goes on to them walking through like the the big sun oval thing, and they're greeted by a bunch of people in white. And then the ending is like the midsummer festival with like the dancing and the dinner and nah. the sun. So it's literally the whole movie. So he's Ari Aster spoiled the whole movie before um the movie even started. And like the first shot. Yeah. And nobody noticed. Well I mean they noticed eventually, but uh there's also like paintings on the wall where um above uh Danny's bed there are two crowns painted on the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's kind of like to symbolize she's going to be the May Queen. Um, there's a painting in Christian's house where Danny is sleeping. And the painting above her bed is a little girl it, with a crown kissing a bear. So, like, obviously that's foreshadowing the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So, Oh yeah, speaking of the bear... It was funny how they just had this bear in a cage. Yeah. And I think it was Mark that's like, is nobody going to set mention this bear <laughs> or something? Yeah. It's like, so we're just going to, are we just going to ignore the bear? <laughs> and and yeah. Pele is just like, it's a bear. <laughs> As if it's supposed to. Just, this bear's just locked up in the cage. Like, yeah, that's a bear. What about it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and obviously at the end of the movie, Christian is paralyzed, put in the bear suits, and burnt alive in fire. Oh yeah, this final, um, this sacrifice. Yeah, let's talk about that. The scene is, but I, I don't like fire. No, that's one of my biggest fears. Yeah, I'm not a fan of fire, so. Yeah. I thought that scene was scary. And even like, and I like how the two volunteers, they were like, they were also drugged. And they're like, here, it's this tree or whatever they gave them. You'll feel no pain or feel no fear. And they're just like looking at each other in the tent. Like, I wonder what we got ourselves into. And, and they sure felt fear and they sure felt pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the one guy's screams are horrific in that scene. Uh huh. Yeah, that's that's a rough one. Um, yeah, and I also like how like all the outsiders' dead bodies are being brought in, and obviously, like Mark is a scarecrow, and yeah, Josh is. I don't even know what Josh is. <laughs> uh -huh. But yeah, they're they're all brought in, and they're all set on fire as well. And yeah, they just start, I guess the, the, the whole cult just starts screaming as things are burning down and that's it. And Danny smiles at the, that's like, 
it's not like they share pain, I guess. Hmm. We see multiple times, like, they share Danny's emotional pain, and it's like they're all screaming when these people are being burned alive. Okay, yeah, that, that could be it. Yeah, I wonder if Christian felt any pain. Yeah, uh, I think you could hear him screaming, too. Okay, I, I, I couldn't tell if he was screaming or if he was still paralyzed. It's like he was paralyzed, but you could still hear, like, screams. He's, he seemed to be like. so drugged to the point that he couldn't even, like, function at all. Like, he seemed paralyzed and just, like, not there. But... I wonder if it was permanent. I'm not sure. The record seemed like it was. If, if that were me, I would probably, like, inhale enough smoke so that I would just pass out. <laughs> Yeah. Like, all right, how do I get myself out of this situation as fast as possible? Yeah, yeah that that scene is uh, that it it's rough, but it's great. It just this whole movie, like like I said at the <laughs> beginning, like it's so awkward and so um bizarre, but like I feel like a lot of the scenes where you're just sitting with this group are are very um important to the, the whole experience so yeah i yeah. so what did you uh rate this movie on letterboxd five okay all right i, I was curious because your your letterboxd system is a little bit off and i want to explain why <laughs> so <laughs> you you give a movie like two stars which is a bad rating mm -hmm. you also get you also give it a heart yeah. Which would imply that you like the movie. Mm -hmm. So, would you care to explain? Yeah. <laughs> let me let me pick a movie. I'll I'll go through my 2013 list and see a good example of how to explain this. Okay. Um, well, I'm looking at the Boogeyman right now that you rated a few days ago. Oh, yeah. I, could, I was going to say Winnie the Pooh, for example. Okay. Okay. So I gave that movie two and a half stars. You know, everyone's going to think, oh, that's a bad, a bad rating, so I shouldn't watch the movie. But well, technically, technically two and a half stars would be an average movie. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I encourage you to pick a lower movie. If you okay. will. <laughs> I was going to take the Outwaters, but it's about to be the same thing. Um, yeah, I guess I could use the Boogeyman as an example. Okay. So I gave that movie two stars. Now, you would think, oh, he doesn't like that movie. I shouldn't watch it. Not necessarily true, because it could be, like, not not the best movie. I thought you were going to say, not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't a great movie by any means. It even felt generic, okay. but I I enjoyed it. Okay, so like if I, I find if I find enjoyment out of a movie, then I'm gonna put a heart, whether it has like a high review or low review. Like I could go right, I can go one below and go to Malum. Okay. Oh, I think I gave that a heart too. Um, <laughs> go to like um. 
Trinket box. Mar- Marlo. Okay, Trinket box. Trinket box did not get a heart, and it did not get a good review. Um, Pope's Exorcist didn't get a heart either. Okay. But I gave it two stars, because I appreciated, like, some of the cinema aspects of it. Like, the setting was good, but I didn't enjoy the plot, and I didn't really like any of the characters. I didn't like the movie, so it didn't get a heart. But with the Boogeyman, I still kind of enjoyed the plot and the villain. And characters were alright, so it does get a heart. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Interesting. Well, it, it at least you have like an interesting rating system to where you'll say you liked it, whether or not you give it like a bad rating or not. Like if there's something interesting about it that you liked, you'll you'll give it a heart. Yeah. Now I know some people on Letterboxd that put like their rating system explained in their bios. Uh-huh. And it's like five stars means it's a masterpiece. Four and a half stars means it's almost a masterpiece. Four stars means it's great. And then they'll go down the list and it'll be like two and a half stars is average. Half a star is terrible. And it's like, I know what the stars mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I can, I know what the rating system is. Like you don't have to put it in your bio to explain it. Like I'm, I'm capable of knowing that five stars means it's great. Half a star means it's terrible. Two and a half is average. Like I know what the rating system is. Yeah. I, I hate <laughs> I hate seeing that on letterbox. If I see it, I'm just gonna unfollow. Or I'm not gonna follow. <laughs> like sometimes I'll give a heart if I would like to revisit it too. If I didn't like the outwaters, I didn't necessarily like it that much. But I still want to yeah. see it again. Yeah, I, I want to see that one another too. another chance. Yeah, I want to see that one too. Yeah, I, I was just scrolling on Letterboxd and thought I would uh, bring that to your attention because I was a bit confused when I saw that you rated something uh, two stars and then put, <laughs> a, put a heart by it. So I'm the opposite where I only put a heart if like it's one of my favorite movies ever. So like I'll put hearts on like the Uh-oh. very, the very high rated movies. That's That's what I do. But interesting. All right, so I think that's all I had on Midsummer. Did you have anything else? No, I think I'm good too. They okay. covered pretty much everything. Yeah, uh, this is probably like in my top twenty-five favorite horror movies ever. Um, Not this recent like, chain of like smart horror, I guess it is, or what do they call it? Uh, elevated Art, horror, artsy horror, elevated horror. Is this your favorite one? I like Hereditary more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then would you throw the witch in there? Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that are good like that. Um, because there's the lighthouse. You're giving me like a bunch of movies that I really love. So I don't quite, I don't quite know oh. how to rank them. Hereditary is my favorite. Um, Did you see Lamb? Yeah, I saw Lamb. That's probably I gave that three and a half stars. I thought that that one was not as good as these, but I really liked it still. You could throw Bow is Afraid in there. Oh, you probably like that better than Lamb. Yeah, I like that better than Lamb. Uh, but we'll put Men in there. <laughs> Men is technically. 
in that category. It's an A24 elevated horror movie, so. Bodies, 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 this too. No, not really. That was A24 <laughs> trying to make a movie for, like, a younger audience, I feel. It was good. That's what they seem to be doing this with this next release, too. Yeah, uh, Talk To Me, I think is what it's called. Yeah. That'll have to be an episode whenever it comes out. I'm not sure when, but it's coming. And it's coming hard. <laughs> um, I don't think Bo is Afraid is a horror movie, but I'll put it in there. Um, Hereditary is my favorite, then probably Midsummer, Then The Witch, then The Lighthouse, then Bo is Afraid, I think would be the order. Well, the, the Witch kind of started it all. Yeah. Uh, it it comes at night is in there. That one's another one that's not oh, yeah. nearly as good as these ones. I need to throw that one at the bottom because I need to see it again anyway. Yeah, I need but... to give that one a harder letterbox because I need to rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> instead of I don't think I would give that one a heart. Instead of adding it, yeah. Instead of adding it to the watch list, I'll just give it a heart. It means I have to watch it later. Well, the heart means like I know. I, like I, to... I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right <laughs> so uh, we're gonna jump into our next section of the podcast uh where we have an ai create horror movie in a segment that we like to call it's called artificial nightmares yes, thank you so i had an ai create a sequel to midsummer which um, I would just like to see what an AI would come up with if the story were to progress through uh, such a bizarre ending. So um, I haven't read this yet, so this is the first time reading it, so we'll see. The title is called Midsummer Reckoning of Shadows. Oh, I like it. Midsummer Reckoning of Shadows takes place three years after the events of the first film. Danny has chosen to embrace life within the Harga commune, finding solace and a sense of belonging among its members. However, she becomes more integrated into the cult. She begins to question their ethics and morality behind their rituals. Now? So it took her three years. <laughs> she witnessed a murder. Three years after they killed all of her friends. <laughs> One day, news reaches the commune that this gruntled former member has tipped off the authorities about the Harga's activities. The oh. police, armed with evidence of illegal practices, plan to raid the commune and dismantle it once and for all. Panic and, ten panic and tension grip the Harga as they prepare for an imminent confrontation. Danny, torn between her loyalty to the cult and her growing doubts, is thrust into a position of internal conflict. She wants to protect the one family she has left, but also grapples with the disturbing traditions she has witnessed. With time running out, Danny decides to secretly reach out to a journalist, Jason, who has shown interest in investigating cults. Okay, I was confused because I thought there was a Jason. I thought there was a Jason in this movie, but there's not. It's Josh. All right. This, this must be when she goes back to... America. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Jason, intrigued by Danny's plea for help, agrees to meet her undercover within the commune. He is fascinated by the cult's way of life, but remains skeptical of their intentions. 
Together they hatch a plan to expose the darker aspects of the Harga and ensure the safety of its vulnerable members. As the police prepare for their assault, Annie and Jason gather evidence documenting the cult's rituals and gathering testimonies from those who have suffered within its confines. They discover that the, Harga pra the Harga's practices extend beyond more tradition, involving coercion, co coercion, manipulation, and even violence. Took her this long to notice there was violence in the group. <laughs> the tension reaches its peak as the police force descends upon the commune, fully armed and determined to bring the Harga to justice. Chaos finally erupts as the cult fights to protect their way of life, while Danny and Jason navigate through the turmoil, driven by their shared mission to expose the truth. In the midst of the violent clash between the police and the cult, Danny confronts the leaders of the Harga, demanding answers and accountability. She exposes their darkest secrets to the world, highlighting the manipulation and the harm they have inflicted upon their members. The raid ends in a bittersweet resolution. The Harga is dismantled and its leaders are brought to justice, but many cult members are left shattered, having lost their sense of purpose and community. Danny, still grappling with her own emotions, becomes an advocate for cult survivors, dedicating herself to helping them heal from their trauma they endured. Oh, she's their new leader. Um, no, it seems like she is like a therapist for cult survivors. Which makes sense because mm. I think she says that she was going to school to be a therapist or a psychologist or something. Oh. That actually wasn't a bad one. Uh -huh. That's one that I could like kind of see actually happening. <laughs> it would just ruin its um, artsiness. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> leave it alone, but like, yeah, interesting idea. All right. Would you like to jump into our weekly recommendations? Over. Would you like to come inside? What's blast? What? To recommend something you and me recommending. All right. I like how you had tried so hard to just keep that normal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what would you like to recommend this week? <laughs> um, much obliged. See, see, I was going to recommend another one of those movies that we just briefly discussed, but I feel like people have seen all of them. Okay. So I'm gonna. I would guess I could recommend. <laughs> let's go oh. out of the theme, and recommend Hot Summer Nights. Okay, another A24 film. Oops. Uh -huh. Oh, the drums. I whacked the microphone. It's song. about... <laughs> it's kind of like a drum. It's pretty much a movie about dealing drugs. <laughs> yeah. During the summer. It's one of those movies where the summer just kind of happens and things progress randomly yeah 
Um, because there's drug dealings, there's love, there's a hurricane <laughs> randomly. Yeah, it, it's almost like if you've seen Licorice Pizza, it's like just one of those things where it's just life happening. If you watch, yeah, like Licorice Pizza, Zola, Spring Breakers, mid 90s, those are like perfect examples of this movie. I think, I think you said in when we were watching on Summer Nights, I think you said something like, um, it seemed like they just like threw darts at a dartboard to pick up like the next plot of the movie. Yeah. Like, how are we going to get these characters here? Throw something on the dartboard. Well, hurricane. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It has a good cast. It has Timothy Chalamet in it. And, uh, Micah Monroe, I think is how you say her name. From uh, mm-hmm. Midsummer. She's on her way. She's on her way to being the next um, Samara Weaving. Okay, yeah. Or Lawrence Pugh. Funny you say that, because Micah Monroe's been doing this since before them, so. Oh. (laughs) uh, It Follows came out in 2014, so. Who's another example? Anya Taylor-Joy. Maybe I just need to see a couple more of her things. Because then I saw It Follows, I saw The Watcher, and I saw Hot Summer Nights. I saw Greta, I guess she was in that. I don't remember that was movie it? at all. Was it? Greta? Oh, yeah. Uh, she's in The Guest, uh, Significant Other. That's not a good movie. Um, she's, in a, she's in a movie that we're <laughs> seeing in a couple days. Uh, God is a Bullet. So. Mm-hmm. She's in Villains. You know, I think maybe we can... We can um, her on your Taylor Joy and Smart Weaving. I made a meme. Might as well made a, keep them in the same. I made a meme about uh, I like them and wrote the uh, a couple a few months ago, and um, yeah, um, it was like something about liking the the type of movies that she's in, like mm-hmm. the iconic blondes. Yeah, they need to put them all in a movie together. In a movie called Iconic Blondes. And that could be that could be like a slasher movie yeah. or something. Or like here it is. Here it is. <laughs> like a road trip. <laughs> Almost like natural born killers, where it like it's like a road trip movie where they just keep killing people on the way. And they're just like uh-huh. this uh this like runaway serial killer cult thing called the iconic blondes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. I'd be like a Spring Breakers esque. Yeah, there too. you go. Yeah, I like it. E twenty four. Get on it. <laughs> All right, hire them yeah. all now. Oh, uh, the ringleader to the Margot I have Robbie. ChatGPT <laughs> up now. We're gonna write the movie. You <laughs> <laughs> laugh, but in a few years, that's gonna be how movies are made. In it in, in the new uh, <laughs> MCU show, Secret Invasion or whatever the heck it is, they used uh, AI art for the intro, and it looks absolutely terrible. But, uh-huh. like, Disney, you can't afford to hire somebody to 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 draw you a, <laughs> an intro. But I saw something about Tony Khan using using it to book AEW, but he didn't like it because it was too long. Interesting. 
Right. I'm going to recommend. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to cheat and kind of stick to the the genre. I'm going to recommend Bo is Afraid. Um, I think I recommended it before, but see, I want to recommend Lamb, but I think I recommended it a couple probably. times. Uh, Bo is Afraid is one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Uh, I don't see it changing because I really love that movie. Uh, I just came to VOD like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. So I'm interested in uh, checking it out again. But uh, I remember... Uh, what number do you have it at two the year? So far. Behind uh, Skinner Inc. Oh. Uh, we are going to so that that uh, top ten episode that we always do in January. Um, I'm I'm not sure how having Skinnamarink as high as we have it is going to be received. <laughs> I'll probably get judged for a yeah. couple of mine. I mean, I have Hypnotic in my top ten, so we'll see. I started Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, interesting. Still holding on. Uh, that is Dungeons and Dragons Flash. is number 17 on mine. <laughs> I don't know. It's number 10. All right. So next week on the podcast, are we doing, uh, Under the Silver Lake? Is that the plan? Okay. I think so. Unless you wanted to do a 4th of July related film. Okay. I don't think we really found anything. All right, yeah, we'll we'll stick to Under the Silver Lake, uh, one of my all time favorite films. So always down to, yeah, I'm always down to watch film. watch that movie and talk about it. So, yeah. All right, so I think that'll do it for this episode. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, make sure you are not peeing on uh, sacred trees because that. Usually doesn't end well. Uh, just keep keep that in mind. Yes. And uh, so. Oh, yes. you'll turn into a scarecrow. Also, um, <clears throat> please uh, rate and review wherever you listen to the podcast. It goes a long way in getting the podcast out there. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, you can. On Instagram, we are at Santamira After Dark. On Twitter, we are at Santamira AD Pod. Uh, through there, you can find our personal social media accounts, including our letterbox accounts, which we just uh, went on a tangent about. And, um, yeah. Yes. And you guys could make um, make sense of my ranking you and can, uh, like it. You can tell us who's right in their ratings, uh, in their, their rating system, and who's wrong. <laughs> anyway, until next time, I'm Jeremy. I'm Steven. And curfew is now in session. 